This is Legacy Lawyers. On Legacy Lawyers, you get two big things. Number one, we talk about the juicy details of cases that our law firm has dealt with. Of course, changing the names and details to protect client attorney privilege. And we dive into what options the clients had to choose from to fix their situation. Number two. Number two. You get educated about how the effects of not doing planning can be devastating. Let's get into it. This is Legacy Lawyers. And here are your hosts, Michael Haslam and Nathan Croxford. Hi, everyone. Nathan Croxford, you there? Yeah, I'm just jamming to the guitar music again. Well, it's slowly fading away. That's okay. What you got for us today? Well, I think you had, I think it was your turn. No, what we have is we got a beautifully written case opinion i uh clerked for a judge on the utah court of appeals for a year about two years into working after i graduated and passed the bar and as i was reading this case i was just admiring how neatly the procedural section lines up and as they get ready to start the analysis and Stuff that would just like bore most of our listeners to tears, but it gave you uh, something warm fuzzies. There's something satisfying about it, like the standard of review. And I don't love litigation, but I like to read about the case litigation that that took place, and this was a doozy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you start reading what you know, this this side filed this motion and petition, and then this side filed, and then you just think of all the fillings and the well, and then my favorite part. So anyway, this is about a this is about a big estate and lots of family members and a grundle of money and some claims that somebody took advantage of. Um an outlet for money from this trust and took about 37 million out is all 37 million. Mm-hmm. So most people notice that. When yeah. That's not there. Yeah. And then there was this family we'll get into this. I love to imagine what this family settlement meeting was like, where they got together and hammered out what they thought would be an effective, well, what turned out to be a very effective settlement agreement, but you said that you think that some people had some buyer's remorse on that. Yeah. Well, our last episode, we talked about some settlement agreements and, we're, and you know, we were kind of laughing a little bit about, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, I don't think this side had the very good argument because they this is what they ended up money to for. have it go away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and one, one, one side claimed that they were owed all this money and then ended up taking nothing on the other side. They um, said they weren't going to, or the, they were entitled to, they were essentially entitled to nothing, but they ended up 
paying. What was it? Two hundred. They end up paying two hundred thousand. Seven hundred fifty. Was oh, it? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. So why don't you tell everybody what 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 we're talking about? Well, let's give our. So well, first of all, I will give our okay. Um, our what waiver? I don't. Disclaimer. What do we call it? Our disclaimer. There we go. And then. Um, you can tell everybody why we even are talking about this today. So, all right. Um, we are both Mike and I are, are lawyers. Um, we practice in the estate planning area and um, we meet with clients and we give legal advice similar to the kinds of things you're going to hear in this podcast. However, this podcast is not intended to be legal advice. Um, you should seek your own um, counsel, your own attorney, somebody qualified in the area that you're needing help with to review the specific facts and circumstances of your case, your matter, um, before you take any action. And this, what we're doing here today is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Only. Mm -hmm. It's very true. So let's get into this case a little bit. Now, this is actually, we could, this case could take us on like 10 different tangents. Like mm -hmm. we could, and we've done previous episodes on a lot of these situations and scenarios, but um, this one we just could do like a whole episode on contract construction. <laughs> yeah, we, we could. How to, how to, we won't strew contracts. <laughs> if, yeah. <laughs> If we want to, if we want to get bust out our monotone voices and <laughs> if we want to do the everybody. exact thing that, the our, um, intro that segment says we won't do, then we would do that, yeah, but, but we won't. Okay. So we have this family that's very wealthy, right? And, um, this is out of what Houston, Texas is in Texas. Yeah. I mean, the court of appeals was out of Houston. I'm not sure exactly where in Texas the family was located, but, um, basically mom dies, right? Her name was Elizabeth. We'll call her Liz for short. Um, so Liz passes away and her husband may mayor, which. No, it's not. His name was not mayor. Yeah. No, I think mayor Robert Laner. Yeah, but they're using mayor. This this shows that you're in Texas because his name is Robert Lanier. No, it's but, Mayor Robert Lanier. Well, then explain to me under background why they say the mayor. Because after his name in in the case, they put they put in quotations mayor. So that's what they abbreviated. Yeah, but they also use the word the. Yeah, they did it. I mean, I don't. His name is not mayor. When you look up at hit the page one it says mayor robert laner the mayor and i think they did that because he was the mayor of the city <laughs> yeah you don't I think do. his first name was mayor no because look at look at how they did um let me find another person's name where they abbreviated it they don't put the in front of a person's name oh it's true it's the mayor. He was the mayor of whatever town. And in Texas, that Southern hospitality, you, you address the mayor by his title. You think? You think oh, I, I will find it before this episode is over. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> so me and Nathan aren't sure what his first name is. No, I'm sure his name's Robert, it's Robert. Lanier um, and that he was the mayor. Okay. <laughs> we'll have to research that. Well, so then how come uh, Elizabeth G, after her name, it doesn't say the Elizabeth? That's a good point, Nathan. That's a good point. I think he's the mayor. But they didn't do any abbreviation for Elizabeth. They didn't do any quotation. Which is because if Which she did. wasn't a mayor and they weren't intending to call her that, they would just call her by her name. But for their children, they put in quotation. Well, Elizabeth of course, because you go, you go <laughs> the children or her children. Okay, so I'm going to look at mayor. Go ahead. Go we ahead. have to do I'll... some research. But the case calls him mayor, so we're going to call him mayor. Calls him the mayor. The mayor. Well, yeah, the mayor. <laughs> the mayor. All right. So um, <laughs> the mayor and Liz had five children. Liz passed away first. Okay. So they have this trust that had to have probably about, I mean, it doesn't say, but we're guessing 100 million. So it was a lot. And so this trust split into two trusts and one of the, and one of those trusts are now called the marital trust. Okay. So that's where you put the deceased spouse's money. Okay. So Liz, if she, her share of the money goes into this marital trust and it's 54 million. That's all, huh? Yeah. And that's like what half the estate maybe. Uh, well, we don't know how the trust of, divided it there's different formulas you use to decide how much goes into a marital trust and so they could have done it a couple different ways but let's just assume it was half just for fun um so so robert oh you know what you're probably okay. right oh i'm right i'm looking at it right now so because <laughs> they called the marital trust the robert c Langer right. marital so you trust. want to hear it i'm on wikipedia what year, what day did he die? Does it say in the trust or in the case when he it, died? It, like 2015 ish or something. December 20th of 2014. 14. Okay. Robert Clayton Lanier, March 20, March 10th, 1925 to December 20th, 2014, was an American businessman and politician. This is Wikipedia. He served as the mayor of the city of Houston, not just any, not just any city, the mayor of Houston, Texas from 1992 oh. to 1998. At the time of his death, he was Houston's oldest living mayor. They are calling him the, the mayor. mayor. <laughs> now that I'm glad we sorted that out because I was confused the whole time. <laughs> I was not. Nathan was on it. He knew he was the mayor. I was like, man, you know, you're in Texas when the they're calling team. him the mayor. That's, res they're, that's they're giving him the respect. In the that's, that's the good old boys club in, in Texas. Well, he lived past his wife, Liz, for quite a while and he remarried, right? Mm -hmm. So who did he marry? Did you see? I forgot her name. Yeah, um, Alicia. Elise. Hang on, I'll find it. L E L Y S E. Elise. It's E L Y S E. Elise. I think it's Elise. Okay. So he married her, and he changed his estate planning to leave all his assets to Elise and her two children, with the exception of the marital trust, which mm -hmm. was always whatever was left in it was going to 
the mayor and Elizabeth's children. Right. So they had this marital trust that became irrevocable upon Liz dying. And this marital trust probably probably didn't allow him to change the beneficiaries. So that was going to his five. No, he had a testamentary power of appointment that allowed him to. But it had to be their descendants or their spouses or charities. Yeah. Their descendants, the descendant spouses or charities. Yeah. So they couldn't. He could not name Elise's. Yeah, he could not name Elise's Elise or her children as beneficiaries. So, side note on this: a lot of couples are like, "Oh, I'll never remarry, or I'll never change my plan to leave it to my new spouse." <laughs> you ever yeah, married? Then- Once you're married, it, is is it easy to say no to your spouse? <laughs> like, why aren't you leaving me the money? No. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, first of all, this is what I love. They always say, I'll never remarry. Neither of us will ever remarry. Mm-hmm. And then two years later, we get a phone call. And in our case, one of my clients and one of your clients <laughs> managed to married. find themselves, managed to find each other, and they were getting married. <laughs> so don't ever say never say never because i've seen people say we w- i will never know. remarry and all of a sudden two years later yeah they're in here talking about remarrying and some don't then they say even if i remarry i would never leave my estate to my new wife or her kids mm-hmm. well i'm sure we could find multiple cases like this one where that's exactly what happened i doubt the mayor was a pushover I doubt he was either. I bet he, I bet he really liked Elise and her kids. Mm-hmm. So, um, but he passes right, and now, now they got to administer the estate, and we won't. Maybe we won't get into all the tax issues that they had to deal with. But long story short, the family all gets together for this settlement conference, right? Mm-hmm. the mayor's five children they want their money as soon as possible the 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 attorney who's acting as the executor of mayor's estate is like well i can't give anyone money until i finish all the estate tax and they're like well we don't want to wait that long and so they get together and they do this big settlement meeting and just so everybody knows like <clears throat> an estate like this you, you'd have five people working full-time for months to get this thing situated to where they could do this. I mean, the estate tax has to have valuations. Everything has to be accounted for. It's... There are accountants. There are appraisers. There are lawyers. I mean, by the time we get to this family meeting you're about to tell us about, I mean, I, I don't even think we can count how many lawyers there were. Um, I th- Yeah, I think there was at least three or four, right? So they have, and then they have, um, they have all this information they got to go through because that marital trust, Nathan, was it just sitting there growing for, let's see, when did Liz pass? Liz passed in um, 84. Yeah, a long time before. So so he's probably married to his second wife for a long time. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Which makes it even more likely that they're going to change their planning, right? 30 years? Yeah. Did, did I do that right? Or was it 40? He died in 2014. 
I was going to look and see if I could 30. figure out how old she is. But. 30 years. They lived, They were married. Him and his second wife was married for 30 years. So it's almost, I mean, that's a whole nother, it's like a second life. Mm-hmm. So over his lifetime, so over those 30 years, the mayor took out of the marital trust 37,000. No, sorry. 37 million. <laughs> that's, well, that's there's nothing, nothing that works in the thousands in this case. $37,405,964. Mm-hmm. So there's about $5.5 million left in this marital trust. Here you go, kids. <laughs> well, there was 54 to start. I'm going to give you a tenth of it. So they, so at this you know, family meeting, they're saying, hey, we want the $5.5 million now well, first of all they're ticked because they probably didn't realize that he'd taken 37 million dollars out of that marital trust because essentially so everybody understands the way marital trusts are normally structured is that the intention is to leave it to the kids and you can actually set it up so that there is no power of invasion to go in and pull money from it but most of them most couples don't want to set up the marital trust to deprive their spouse of the benefits of that money. So they say, if you need it for health education, well, yeah, health education, maintenance support, which is called the HEM standard, then you can pull money, you can invade it and pull money from it. In this case, it said HEM standard plus you should always first look to other resources before pulling from this trust. The mayor basically disregarded all of that because he was the trustee of the marital trust mm-hmm. and he proceeded to yank over, I don't know what was the time frame, but from her death to the time that this, to when he passed away, $37 million. Yeah. I mean, that's 30 years. So that's like, it's a little more than a million a year. He pulled, mm-hmm. if you averaged it out. But you would think the money was grow, you know, over 30 years, you think that money would grow and be working for you and would have. And I don't understand how those numbers work because if it started at 54, 54 plus or 37 that he yanked plus five, five does not equal 54. So I don't know what the heck's going on there. It's, did it lose money? Either lost money or there was legitimate expenses. The trust like over the years, serious legitimate expenses. Yeah. So, I mean, that, yeah. So I don't know. We, we have, it doesn't, the math doesn't work because Mm-mm. for 30 years, it should have grown grown a ton. And then we should have minus the distributions. And then it's, and so. What's hilarious too, I find is that, I mean, he was entitled in those, in marital trusts, you generally say that the surviving spouse can take the income yeah. That the trust creates every year. I mean, this what could that. you, what kind of, I did say that, but yeah. can you imagine the income alone? If they had this thing structured, right. He would have had so much money coming out just without even touching the principal. But yeah, I, so I don't get the math here. Something's and who knows what the underlying asset was that went in. It could have been like a savings estate. account. Real. It could have been real estate that devalued but that's over 30 years real estate no. does not go down yeah i i don't know i'm lost on that but yeah we don't know the we don't know those facts and they're not really relevant but they're interesting yeah 
So that's why I'm sure by the time the kids came to this settlement thing, they're doing the same thing in our head. Wait, I thought dad had and mom had. Why am I laughing? I thought it was growing. I should be mad. Like I thought I was getting I guess 10 I million, am, but... not 1 million. Can somebody yeah. clarify this? This was your classic, like, let's get together and it's the reading of the wills. It's the reading of the documents. It's the, the everybody's got a lawyer. Everybody's nervous. Um, Trying to think, was it the movie Knives Out that? Yeah. They did the traditional (laughs) with, (laughs) with Roger Craig. They do the traditional will reading and everybody's blown away. No, it wasn't. It was, um, it's a movie called, I, I talked about this on another episode called, um, it's the Clint Eastwood movie and it's the name of a car. Grand Torino. Grand Torino. There's a classic will reading scenario in there. Disinherited his kids. Where he disinherits him of the one thing he had left, which was the Grand Torino and gives it to this Asian kid that he took under his wing. And they just left incensed. <laughs> so they they get together to this meeting. There was definitely so the marital trust had a new trustee takeover because the mayor had passed, and that the new trustee was a bank, we believe. But we <laughs> me and Nathan have so on this one, I was the one confused. So in <laughs> fairness. Mike didn't understand that Bob was the mayor, but I thought that Candace Bank was a person that, that a woman named Candace Bank took over as trustee when, in fact, I think from reading this that might. Well, let's look that up. I'm going to give you that. Yeah. Let's let's find Candace Bank. I think it's actually a bank, but what a weird name. Oh, yeah, it is. Bank. Yeah. It's got its own Very website. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and this bank home. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. So I didn't know we had a real mayor and Nathan didn't know we had a real bank, but yeah, and, and I don't know why. I guess it's because in a lot of cases we're setting up individual trustees. Well, and sometimes even though you have a professional trustee, though they could be a person with that name. I guess the reason that I got hung up on that is because I was like, that's hilarious that her name's Candace Bank. Because I was thinking back to the Britney Spears um, conservatorship where one of the lawyers' names was Andrew Wallet, which is just a classic name for a lawyer. <laughs> well, Maybe, I mean, just because they have a website, it could still be a person. No, it's a bank. I guarantee there's a person out there with the name Candace Bank. I'm sure. <laughs> but you know what? You want to know the funny thing? Maybe I typed this in wrong. I'm looking at a website for Cadence Bank. I don't see, I oh, think it's a it, bank. It is. It, we, we're mispronouncing it. It's Cadence Bank. So all this time I'm reading in the case and it's a, cadence. We're missing, we're missing. Yeah. We're not even reading the, Jeez, we're struggling on we're the speed name. reading. Yeah. Got to slow down the details. Okay. Hang on. Let nope. me look at that. That's crazy. If that's really, because I thought for sure that said Candace. So now everyone's thoroughly confused. So there was no woman named Candace Bank. 
cadence. The, the, the trustee that it is cadence. The trustee that took over was Cadence Bank. That could be wow. a person's name. Cadence is a name, right? Yeah. Okay. So now that we know who's the mayor and who's, and who's the, the bank, bank, we can continue. So the this bank takes over as trustee, the marital trust, and they are charged with the, giving the money to the five children. And then the five children, they show up with their own attorney and the bank has their attorney. And then the mayor's estate has an attorney. So we know at least three attorneys are at this meeting. It doesn't say I if there's more, but it doesn't say if uh, his wife, Elsie had a Elise. Elise, sorry. Elise had a, I'm just looking here, had an attorney. I, it doesn't say, but regardless. Oh, I guarantee she had an attorney. They're all there. Um, and after a bunch of negotiations and looking at a lot of documents, they, they sign a settlement agreement. Mm -hmm. It's like a beauty of a settlement agreement. Mm -hmm. I don't know from looking at it, but just from the way the court describes it and the way that it held up under the scrutiny of the court, it just, it was a humdinger of a, of an agreement. Humdinger of an agreement. Yep. So a new trustee takes over called Austin Trust, and they must have looked at the documents and that is not a person named austin trust <laughs> we were clear on that from the get-go <laughs> <clears throat> although that would be hysterical if that was really a person's name in this case all these coincidences now this i think would be referring to the city of austin texas austin trust mm -hmm. so they took over and at some point they decided hey wait a minute we don't think this was right. And Maybe some fiduciary duties were breached by the mayor when he yanked $37 million out of the yeah. trust. So they come back and argue that the $37 million needs to be paid back to the marital trust, that it's a debt owed to the trust. And there's some legal theories behind that that we won't bore you with. And then they also argue that the mayor breached his fiduciary duty by making those distributions. And so it's owed back to the trust based on those two legal arguments. And so they go to court and um, the executor of the mayor's estate, the attorney, I think it's Housen. Um, mm -hmm. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, Horan. Horan is his name. Sorry. Hoser. H O U R. <laughs> E-N. How do you want to pronounce that? I don't know. Or you, you, you pick. Yeah, we'll just call him the executor. The executor of the mayor's estate's like, whoa, whoa, no, we, you can't ask for this $37 million. We have a settlement agreement. You can't say that he breached a duty and you're entitled to that back. Hmm. We signed, we all met, we reviewed all the, all these documents. We talked about all this. And in the settlement agreement, we said that this resolves all claims 
and um, and it even goes so far to say any claims related to or based upon the facts that forth find that. Oh, here it is. They agreed to release generally any and all liabilities arising from any and all claims, which normally that is going to have a hard time holding up. But then they go on to say claims of any form of sole, contributory, concurrent, gross, or other negligence, undue influence, duress, breach of fiduciary duty, or other misconduct by the other parties, the professionals, or their affiliates. It just goes on and on. And then it starts naming the neighbors, it starts neighbors. Mm -hmm. <laughs> online acquaintances. It's just for all things. You can't sue over distribution of any property or assets, any actions taken or not taken in reliance upon the agreement, any claims related to based upon or made evident in the disclosures, activities arising from, I mean, you, you name it, it's got it. It was basically, hey, you're going to get your part Let's give of a the shout out to the law firm that you're done. wrote that. Yeah, it's a, it's a beefy Yep. settlement agreement. You get your five, 5.5 million and everybody goes home. Mm -hmm. And they were like, uh, wait a minute. We, we didn't mean to sign that. Yeah. We didn't understand what we signed. Court's like, no, you did. You were sophisticated parties. You, you negotiated these specific points. You had counsel. You understood. You just don't like the result. So the court had to decide if they're going to uphold this settlement agreement or not. And they did. And they're like all day long. Cause can you imagine if they didn't and they had to go into the, this opinion would have gone on for, <laughs> I mean, it's a seven page opinion, not even. Mm -hmm. It would have gone on for 40 pages if they had to undo it. And actually they probably just would have, they would um, send it back to the lower court to yeah. just look at some factors that they did. remanded it back to trial court and said, say, try again, come up with a better result this time. So in this case, they, they list out, you know, the elements that Texas looks at in these agreements and say, Hey, it met all these elements. So it's, it's a valid settlement agreement and you guys are done. The reason this is important for everyone to, to know is at some point you, you might be looking at a similar situation, right? A loved one's passed away. You're, you're sitting somewhere where you got to decide, am I going to, you know, am I going to settle or am I going to move on? And you got to understand, like, once you sign that settlement agreement, it's really, really hard to, to get around it if it's done well. Well, and it was done well. What I don't get is why they signed it because they just wanted the money. The five mil long game. They weren't. I I don't know. Maybe I'm. I just. I'm just because it does say that they intended it. All the parties intended it to be a once and for all settlement agreement, after which the parties would sign it and part ways permanently. So maybe it was so toxic and nasty that they were just like, okay, whatever. And emotional. I'm out. And then they find out, whoa, wait a minute, 37 million? See, the 37 million wasn't super <clears throat> obvious in the documents. It was kind of, mm -hmm. it was there, but it wasn't like mm -hmm. really obvious. So it would have took a pretty careful eye to notice that that 37 million 
technically was owed back to the marital trust, or at least there was a good legal argument for that. Which is kind of amazing that an amount of money in the range of $37 million could not be obvious in any way, shape or form. But yeah, it's, I mean, it was in there. So it's kind of weird that no, this, but I think after the dust settled, someone had buyer's remorse. That's the only thing I could think of. They're like, yeah. man, what did we do? Cause how much, I wish this told us how much was in the mayor's estate. I wish it did too. 50 million, a hundred million. Probably research that and find it. Cause I mean, I bet he was, uh, I mean, I don't know, but I bet he was like, well, it says he was a businessman. I thought that um, maybe it was oil. Yeah, maybe that's why the value went down. All that 50, <clears throat> 54 million was tied to a business that had not done as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeez. There's a list of achievements that goes on for a full screen and a half while he acted as mayor. He was a big deal. That's too bad that... Mayor also headed the corporation that oversaw the construction of the city's new Hilton Americas, Houston. I'm trying to figure out what he did for a... So was he a developer? That's what I'm trying to figure out is what, it, what kind of... It just says he was a businessman and a politician. Well, I had a similar thing come up. Um, oh, Hello. He was a lawyer. The mayor was? Yeah. Oh. He worked attending college. He graduated summa cum laude from University of Texas Law School in 1949, initially employed by Baker and Bott's law firm, practiced for a decade, then switched gears to pursue a business career. Um, business career, worked in banking, and eventually established himself as a major Houston real estate developer. Focus mostly on subdivisions and, par- and apartments. Hmm. So I'm guessing there was quite a bit in his. Yeah, I bet. Estate Huge. that went to his wife. Um, he's and- a Navy. He's a Navy vet. From World War II. I mean, this guy. Wow. Could make a movie. That's impressive. Yeah. So I had a case, Nathan, where um, blended family situation, right? And the trust administration, we didn't do the, we didn't do the estate plan or any of, any of the. I know. I love how, when we start talking about some of these disasters, we always go, I don't want to touch, I didn't touch that. (laughs) We didn't create the mess. We were helping, we were trying to help the parties clean up the mess. And after, after her husband passed away, you know, they litigated, they went to court and then they eventually ended up in a mediation and they, and they settled, right. And they signed the settlement agreement. And so she was, she was coming to me, the surviving spouse was coming to me to just to review the, like about a year after the settlement agreement to kind of review what had happened and to see if there was a way to undo the settlement agreement. Like it didn't, it didn't sit well. And it, the settlement agreement was pretty good. I mean, there, it wasn't like this one. Um, but unfortunately I just had to have that conversation with her that it's probably not worth your time and money to try to attack this settlement agreement because 
you're gonna you're gonna end up with probably just a lot of attorney's fees and actually the court in this case did award attorney's fees yeah, and we don't know how much but i wish we did they never had to get to the issue of whether or not the award of attorney's fees was appropriate because it was tied to whether or not the they party prevailed. prevailed yeah so so i'm like you know this this settlement agreement says right here you know if anyone litigates this agreement the prevailing party is entitled to attorney's fees so if if you if you challenge a settlement agreement and you and you don't win, you're paying. So they lost the thirty seven million that they signed away in the settlement agreement. Mm -hmm. They lost what they paid their own lawyers, mm -hmm. and they paid the other side lawyers. Mm -hmm. Oh, brutal! Yeah, that was like ugh. so. Moral of the story is I'm <laughs> yeah. Please tell me. <laughs> Because I mean, I look at this and I go, at what point would I have found something wrong that would have made me not agree to sign that agreement? I mean, they all had attorneys that were telling them, yeah, this is probably what we should do. Yeah, I mean, settlement. So agreement, what is the moral of this story? So if there becomes a dispute, almost all disputes get settled. Very few go to trial. So mm -hmm. at some point, if there's a dispute, there's going to be a settlement agreement. And in but in this case, there was both. There was a settlement agreement and then there was a bench trial over the attorney's fees. Mm -hmm. But so, yes, you're right. Most of them, the major issues were decided in a settlement agreement. Yeah. So when the family was sitting there in that family settlement and they were trying to decide what to do there, like, you know, you gotta, you gotta be sure that you're ready to do that settlement. And it might be, you, it might not be the time because you're emotional. You just lost a loved one you're frustrated because the plan's probably not what you thought it was, or it's not going how you thought it was going to go. And so when you're sitting there and you're trying to decide, is a settlement agreement something I should sign? It's easy just to be like, I just want to be done. And I'm, I'm, I'm fine signing something that I normally would not sign. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And you do get that. You get like litigation fatigue, mm -hmm. like where everybody's just sick and tired of, because I don't think, unless you've been involved in litigation or you practiced as a lawyer in a courtroom, it's hard to describe to people how toxic that Sleep. can be, how much, how all encompassing it is, how you sit and just obsess over it, even when you're not dealing with it. And it just grinds people into the ground. So that's, that's actually one of the ways that settlement agreements happen is people eventually come to the middle because they're so tired or they spent so much money <clears throat> and it's just move on. miserable. Mm -hmm. So I think I do know the moral of the story, but you I go ahead and lots. say what you think it. I think there's, multiple, it, I think there's multiple more morals, but um, uh, do you want me to give you mine? Yeah. It's you actually brought it up before we started. And it's that if you're going to set up a marital trust where you're expecting that, a large amount of money or any amount of money is going to be held and reserved for the benefit of your children with the person that you're married to at the time you do the marital trust. And you're going to put a provision in that allows them to use it under certain circumstances. You probably should not leave the surviving spouse as the sole trustee on that trust. You should probably use some sort of a co-trustee or distribution trustee, uh, maybe 
all all of the children as a group as a co-trustee with dad or mom whoever's surviving so that when they do remarry they can't yank money out of it willy-nilly or even before they remarry that you kind of get to oversee and help the parent make those decisions although in this case i think would have been tough to yeah this rain in the mayor well, and it was 30, you know, it was 30 years. So at the time, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think at the time it's kind of. And there wasn't, and she wasn't in the picture until we don't know when they married, but probably. Well, yeah, the, you did. You did say they were married 30 years. Yeah. I think the appropriate clause would have been when he remarries, then there's a. Yes, clause. exactly. Mm-hmm. When and if he remarried, then you have. But at that point in time, I think most of the money was gone. When he, when he married. Oh no. Yeah, you're right. So yeah, when he remarries and I've actually done that, we've put in, we put language in marital trusts all the time where you've done this too, where they can be the sole trustee as long as they're not remarried Mm -hmm. of a marital trust. But the second they remarry, you either set it up. So they have to have a prenup that specifically uh, prevents the other side, the, the new spouse from um, benefiting from that money or having that money or being able to inherit or the the children of that new spouse being able to inherit, or you just flat out say um, there's an automatic distribution trustee that comes into play at that point in time that essentially has to approve Mm -hmm. the movement of money out of that trust. So that's probably the moral I would take is don't leave a surviving spouse as the sole trustee of a marital trust, if there's a remarriage. Yeah. And there's a case in Utah. There's a couple of cases in Utah where the surviving spouse was the sole trustee of the marital trust. And they basically did what the mayor did. He, he basically took most of the money out of the trust. And in those cases in Utah, the courts have been pretty unwilling to say they couldn't do that. Right. So they were like, no, that's okay. Um, Still pull it. So, so, I mean, that blended family scenario or what if we were married scenario. It's tough. You have, well, if you don't have a co-trustee, you're just not, it's not going to really probably. Yeah, so the, the answer is a co-trustee or distribution trustee, some sort of a, a third, second. S- second set of eyes or a second signature required or whatever. Yeah, just an extra step to make sure the plan's not being undermined. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's a really good takeaway, Nathan. I like that one. I think the other is if you are faced with a settlement situation, settlements are good. They, they, they resolve a lot of conflicts and a lot of time get people better outcomes than they would have got if they went to trial. Um, but you want to make sure first that whoever's preparing the settlement agreement is preparing it well so it covers everything you don't want check that box here yeah so these guys check that box and then two you you just have to be sure that you can live with the agreement right like if you wake up a year from now are you going to be like why did i do that and so i guess in this case i don't know facts it's hard to backseat drive this or armchair quarterback it but i guess i would have said wait a minute if half the estate approximately or whatever, there was a huge amount of money that went into that trust when she died. Mm -hmm. 
how does how is there only five million left? Can we not? I would ask for more information on what did the trust consist of, and that was actually discussed. Like that, there was not a detailed accounting that um, everybody's willing to skip the delay and and the expense of of a detailed accounting of the of that marital trust. I would have not agreed to that. Yeah, it says during the settlement they got disclosures that covered the years 2019 to 2014 for the marital trust and it had some ledgers, but, but it wasn't a full counting. So, but again, it's hard to say that if I was sitting in that chair, looking at that information, I wouldn't have been okay with it. I might've been, it's hard to say. Well, it's interesting that it only went back to 09, right? The marital trust was in place since 84. So Mm -hmm. they only had the last five years. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and maybe that didn't have enough red flags in it to maybe, but, but it says that some of the disclosures did make clear that 37 million was taken out of the trust. So I just don't get that, how they were okay with that, but yeah. All right. Well, uh, there probably are like 10 more takeaways, but we'll just leave it at those three. Here's the last takeaway. Oh, as mayor. He was affectionately referred to as Mayor Bob. Hmm. <laughs> is that in the is that in the case or in no? Your this is research? in the Wikipedia. Okay. I highly recommend um, if you're listening. I highly re- recommend pulling up Bob Lanier, L A N I E R, Texas politician, and reading his Wikipedia page because wow, it's super interesting. And uh, one other thing to note, right? He passed in 2014. This is 2021 when they finally got this decision from the court. Seven years. Yeah, I don't do math well, but what is that? Seven seven years of litigation? Seven years. Seven years of appeal. Well, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know when they filed. No, not not of appeal. But but it's been seven years since he passed until this Mm -hmm. all finally got resolved. Mm -hmm. Um, the settlement agreement was signed in 2015. Okay. So, all right, man. All right. I like it. Good takeaways. What a, what a case, huh? Yeah, that was, man, I can't believe if anybody, if anybody runs, if anybody knows the whole time I read that. Yeah. If anybody knows anybody named Candace bank, call us and let us know. I'd like to meet her. <laughs> All right. All right. See everyone. Catch you next time. You've been listening to Legacy Lawyers with Michael Haslam and Nathan Croxford. We give you the juicy detail of cases that our law firm has dealt with. We take out the lawyer talk and legalese and show you what options some of our clients had to choose from to fix their situation. The effects of not doing planning can be devastating. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, hook up with us on Facebook and Instagram at Voyant Legal. Call us at 801-951-0500 or send us an email at team at voyantlegal.com. And for commonly asked questions, hit voyantlegal.com slash resources. We'll see you next time.